right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Matthew 28, 19. Um, boy, about to have a fit. I love it. I prayed for that last night. Um, that is awesome. That is great. Oh, and to think, to think of what you sing when you sing it. And to, I guess, let your heart get lost in that. I mean, I mean, as you was explaining that, just, I mean, just thinking, like, like if, if everyone on planet Earth had a pen and would just begin to write, how the oceans would just be drained if that was ink. I mean, get your mind around that. The, the massive bodies of water that we have couldn't contain all of God's glory and greatness and goodness. Ah, oh, that's good stuff. That's good, 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 good. Um, well, I'm going to try to uh, keep this in a timely manner. Um, no promises. Last week we were online only, and I hate preaching to a camera. I like people. Um, and, and what Sunday morning does for me, um, not that I have to preach, but that I get to be with family. You know what I'm saying? Like I get to, I get to hang with my people um, and open up God's Word and, and talk a little bit and share. And so um, I'm a little amped up, a little, uh, little, little excited here, um, and especially since we're kind of working through something that I just feel, I mean, God has really burdened my heart about. I'm um, just, just excited to see what God's going to do through us and in us as a result of His Word. And so we're just, uh, we're just looking at the great uh, great Commission, the, the command to go um, and make. And so uh, that, that's what we're just going to do. We're just going to follow. We're going to follow this out. We're going to take our time. We're going to dive in. We're going to look at words. We're going to see what words really mean. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in our heart whereby He convicts us so great that, that we repent of sin and that we uh, follow in glad obedience. And we live out and do the things that, that Jesus has uh, commanded us to do because that leads to life. That leads to abundance. That leads to richness. That leads to the glory of God being made uh, known. And so uh, discipleship and disciple is a topic that I have, I have talked about or preached on or looked at or visited uh, more in my four and a half years as your lead pastor than any other topic. Any other thing that I have talked about in, in the scriptures it has always kind of come back and landed at this place of discipleship and disciple to the point you may be sick of it. But I beg of you, don't be. Uh, I beg of you, don't land at that place, but, but, but press in and really see, wow, okay, God, why? I'm going to try to illustrate um, why I believe I have, I have done that um, somewhat and then, and then some other things. But so, so for, for me, um, I, I, as I was thinking, uh, there's a story that came to mind. As I was thinking of the amount of times that I've preached on discipleship or talked about discipleship and, and disciple, uh, what that means, um, I just I thought of this story. And the story was uh, there was this church who uh, had found their pastor. They were looking for a pastor. They got him, this young, vibrant, exciting, full-of-life guy, a little family. They, they move him into town, and that first Sunday is there. And the man stands up, and he preaches the Word of God. And man, the people just fall in love with, in that moment, all the more, the Lord as well as this little family, this new family. And so uh, the week, the next week starts to go by, and uh, he's preparing, he's getting ready, and Sunday rolls around, the church is excited, they're vibrant, they're, they're ready to hear what God's put on his heart for them uh, the second Sunday of him being their pastor. And as he begins to preach, he, he tells them to open up the scriptures to the exact same place they were last week. Okay, all right. So they, they open up the Word of God, and as they open up the Word of God, they get there. He begins to start, and he starts the exact same way he did the week before. So they're listening, a little confused, a little, okay, all right. And he just, I mean, he pours his heart out again. Just as excited, just uh, as fired up, just as into it as he was the week before. Amen, the end of service. The church a little confused, but all right, maybe tough week. It's his, it's his second week here, probably getting acclimated, getting the house fully unpacked, got kids, that, those type of things. 
Can't wait till week three. Week three rolls around, and there he goes, stands up, opens up the word of God again to the same scripture. Now, at this point, they're like, okay, what have we done? What, what, what has happened? What is going on? What, what is taking? And they begin to, to kind of wonder. And, and one, one guy sitting in the congregation looks at his wife and says, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this after service. And so the preacher preaches the exact same sermon. Closes the service with amen. See you guys next week. The church, not as much of a buzz, kind of files out, leaves, a little murmuring, talking, what's happening, what's going on. And so the, the man approaches the pastor. So pastor, I love your zeal, love your passion, love your fire, but just a little confused. He's like, well, was it something in the sermon? Was it, I don't quite understand what you mean. He's like, man, we, we are excited that you're here, but dude, like, what have you been doing through the week? I've been praying, studying, seeking the Lord, doing my normal, what, what, my normal routine of, of preparing and getting ready for. He said, but that's the third time that you've preached this sermon, and it's all in a row. And, and the pastor looked at him and said, man, when we as a people can get this truth, let it sink in, and we can be obedient to what the Word of God says in this, then we'll move on to deeper and other things. And I just think for us sometimes as believers, as the body of Christ, as, as God's people, that we just need to hear that. We need to be reminded of. We need to, to look at again what God's Word says, what, what God commands, what, what He's expecting of us. And though I haven't preached this three weeks in a row, it'll probably seem like it when we get finished with it. Uh, but, but it's one of those things that I believe that, that we have got to let the Holy Spirit soak it into our hearts so much so that, that it takes on our very DNA. That, that this is who we are as the people of God. This is the very heartbeat behind everything that we do and who we are. These are the lenses that we look through in, in, in assessing absolutely everything as it pertains to the world, as it pertains to spiritual things, as it just pertains to anything about God. And so I've been here for nine years in different roles, and, and I think we're looking at, at God's word here, and as we're addressing this here this morning as new life, as well as just looking at the church in America, I just don't believe that this has been obeyed very well, that, that this command has been lived out very well. And, and I'm with you. I mean, we can give reason upon reason upon reason, and we can give excuse of excuse of, of why we don't and why it's, it's not happening. And, and I believe maybe one of the resounding reasons would be this. I just, I just don't know how. I, I just don't know how. And I guess my struggle with that, I don't know how, is this. This would be my, I guess, comeback for that, is that we live in a digital age and that we can find uh, the most difficult questions out in like two seconds, depending upon how fast your, your internet speeds are. I mean, we can research and find anything. I, I mean, this morning, if you needed to know how to change the motor in your car, you could YouTube that junk. And if you had the right tools... And the right equipment, you probably could change your motor in your car. I don't even know where the first screw is for that. Like I'm yesterday in my house looking at like a plug, like a, like a light switch, and, and I take it out of the wall, and I'm like, there's like 10 wires in there. Why? That thing just has two little things you screw it. What the, what the heck? Why do they make it so difficult? And I know my engineering buddy after service will let me know. But anyways, um, but, but you, I mean, we can YouTube and we can find, and that's what I had to do. I had to search it and try to figure it out. I kicked the breaker because I know better. And so, 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 so that's one, I guess, rebuttal. I said, the other rebuttal is this, is that, is that we have the greatest example that's ever lived, and that's Jesus. And so Jesus didn't just tell us to do something, but he modeled and showed us in the Word of God, in the New Testament, we have it recorded in the Gospels, he modeled and showed us how to do what he's told us to do. 
So he doesn't just kind of like just throw us out there and hope for the best or wish for the best or, oh, hey, we'll give you the Holy Spirit and maybe he can kind of help you sort of. No, no, he, he walks it out and he shows it with 12 men of his own. And he gives us that example that's in the word of God that we can look, that we can go back to, that we can, we can, we can follow, we can dive in deeper with. And so I just, I just don't know how, I just don't believe as an excuse it's going to be acceptable. I, I believe we just need to be honest with ourselves and we need to look inward. And I believe it's more of a heart issue and more of a time issue, a cost issue, an effort issue, an obedience issue more than it is an ability issue or a know-how issue. I believe that there's something deeper at play there than it's just, oh, I just don't know how. Because hear me, I stand here today with a college education and it wasn't even modeled in college. I mean, I took some classes, but if they'd asked me when I walked across that stage, hey, give me the definition of a disciple. And then I want you to tell me how you make one. My response would have been Jesus because that's right. And I could have maybe given a definition, but how in the world? I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't know either. And, and I, I went to school for that. And, and so I, I think we just, we've got to do a better job as the people of God. We, we've got to do We've got to press in. We've got to, we, we've, we've, got, we've got to get rid of the excuses. We've got to beg of the Holy Spirit to move in our life and, and to give us that urgency and allow us to see things the way that God sees things, we've got to get over ourselves. We've got to get over us. We've got to understand what is of the utmost importance. Not my time, not, not my wants, not my desires, but what the heart of God is about. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to be about. So we've got to do a better job as the people of God in being a disciple as well as making a disciple. Because I believe everything, absolutely everything that we do in this place, everything that we do as the people of God here in this place hinges on that reality. Hinges on that, swings on that very reality. So my plan, my heart, my desire this morning is this, is I'm just going to define it. We're just going to look at that word and we're going to home in and we're going to look at the different aspects of that word and we're just going to define it. So when we walk away from this place, we will know what we mean by when we say disciple. So, so join me as we pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into to Matthew 28 here in just a second. Join me as we pray. Father, help us this morning hear what you have to say. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. God, an awareness of your presence. God, you, you are heavy here in this place this morning, and we, we beg of you to move. God, we give you freedom to act and do as you see fit. Father, anything you want to do in this place. And God, we pray for the heart here this morning that needs you. The heart here this morning that maybe is not yours. Father, the heart here this morning that's struggling. Father, the heart here this morning that's just battling. Whatever the case is, God, you know you're aware. Move in this place this morning, God. I beg of you, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So Matthew 28, uh, last week we looked at the authority of, of Jesus and we looked at the, the command and I'm just going to touch on that this morning as we dive in. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 just says this, go. And a better rendering of that is as you are going. So as you're going, so this is not just another play on how you need to do something else. You need to add something else into your busy schedule, into your busy life. But no, it's, it's more of, of, of your circle of influence as you live, as you do, as you go to the game, as you, as you go to the workplace, as you uh, go out for lunch, as you, as you are going. That's what he's saying. He says, go therefore and make disciples. So, so as you are going, as you're living life, as you are doing, while, while you're doing it, your heart and your desire and your mission is to make a disciple. It's to raise up and make and create. That's what we said make is. Make is to create, to form, to fashion, to do. Make a disciple. And so what I want to do is I just want to define that for us. 
I want to get us all on the same page. I want to get us aligned. I want to make sure we understand what I'm talking about when at New Life we say, disciple, this is what we mean. When we say this, this is what we're all shooting for as a target, as a desire, as what we're trying to accomplish and do here in this place. Because there's tons of definitions of what a disciple is, and probably many I would agree with. Many I would have no problem with. And there's a ton of images that come to mind when we say that. There's multiple ways to describe a disciple. So what I want to do, I want to, anybody like games? Any game players? Like, like games, board games, any kind of games? Like video games? Like, like TV show games? Any kind of, let's play a game. I'm not going to call anybody down. You're safe this morning. It's after a snow. I'm going to be gentle and nice. But, but I want to play a word association game. That's what I want to do. I want us to look at some words and I want us to try to figure out and to guess what it is that I'm talking about because I believe this is what happens so often when we in church or just even in the church when we say this. So, so here is the word game. Big. Mm, start to think. Start to marinate on that. Big. Strong. Smart. Fast. Curious. Aggressive. Loving, caring. Now just think for a moment, what could that possibly be? What is he talking about? Because see, those adjectives to describe what I'm talking about could be a number of things, right? So even disciple, as we describe or we say that, it could, it could mean a number of things. So, so, so let, let, me, let me show you what I'm... Oh, how did that get in there? Y'all, you, I knew you loved me. But think about it, right? Big, strong, smart. I mean, a bear, a bear is smart, is it not? Very smart. They're fast. I don't want to get in a foot race with one. All I know is if a bear's chasing me and some other people, I just got to be faster than the slowest person there. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to try to race that thing or outrun it. I mean, it can climb. I can't climb. Curious. Bears are curious, right? They're always kind of trying to get into things, trying to figure things out. They're very aggressive, especially mama with its cub. Mm-mm. Growing up in the mountains of West Virginia, you knew that if you saw a bear, you make sure that there's no little baby bear with it. And if there is, oh, it's so cute, let's go pet it. No, you don't ever pet the baby bear because there's usually a mama bear with it. And they get aggressive. They don't like that. Loving. I mean, a bear can be loving. So it's cubs, caring. I think, I think something else could kind of illustrate these, these uh, adjectives for you here this morning. It's, it's, it's playoff Sunday. I'm not a, I'm, I mean, I, he's a great quarterback, but I'm like, I'm not a Tampa Bay guy. But it was just, I thought it would work for the illustration. If this is offensive, I apologize. But I mean, he's big, strong. I mean, his arm, he could throw it a mile almost. Smart, very, very smart, can read defenses, can figure out what's happening fast. Depends on who he's racing. Like my little, like 18-month-old, yes. Unless there's something dropped on the floor that's edible, then no. Um, but he could be fast. Curious, he's very curious. I was trying to figure out, trying to figure out defenses, trying to figure out. He's aggressive. I mean, he wants to win. He wants to score every time. Loving. He loves his teammates. He loves to win. He loves his family. Caring. He cares for those around him and his team. I mean, I mean, so it's just, yeah. So, so when, we use, when we use words or when we say things, we've got to make sure we define and understand what we're saying, what we're talking about. And so that's what I want to do this morning. There's tons of ways, like I said, to define discipleship that, that probably aren't wrong. 
But I just want to be intentional. I want to look at three aspects of what a disciple is. Three aspects this morning of what a disciple is. So flip over to Matthew 4.18. Matthew 4.18. And this for us as a church, as a people here at New Life, this is our definition. This is where we pull from, right from the scriptures of what we believe a disciple is. Matthew 4.18 says this. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus. Jesus looks and he sees two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother. They're casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, so he engages them. As he engages them, this is what he says. He says, follow me. So so he gives them an invitation. So we believe that the very first aspect of being a disciple is this, is follow me. As the invitation is given, follow me. We believe that it's being born again. You, You accept that invitation. You believe. You follow. You're saved. You're born again. You're saved from what? You're saved from self. You're saved from sin. You're saved from your way of thinking. You're you're saved from your wickedness and depravity. Your fallenness. He invites you in to be a part of the family. And hear me, you cannot be a disciple if you've not went through this process. You are not his disciple. I don't care how much you like him, how much you enjoy him, how much you know about him, how much you care for him, how much you serve him. If you have not been born again, been saved, you're not. This is the very starting point of discipleship for every single body. Every person who is a follower of Christ. Everyone. And so one of the things that just really just stuck out to me in the scriptures as I've been reading lately, as I've been looking, even as we uh, journey through the book of James, is that there's this, there's this push there. Always be this push to check yourself. Uh, Paul even says that work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for, but, but just, just check and make sure that's real and authentic. Uh, make sure that, hey, th- this, this is something where God has awakened me to the reality of my need for him. It's shown me as a sinful and wicked person and in great, great need of a savior and redemption. Upon which I cannot do on my own and myself. And you just see this push throughout the scriptures. Be saved. Be born again. Get a new heart. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to do that. And so I say that this morning to say this. That that the only person that can say with any kind of certainty, whether they are or they aren't, is you. Is me. For ourselves, we are the only ones that can speak for ourselves with any kind of certainty, whether or not. Why? Because we don't know the heart of man. We don't know the motive. We are unaware of that. We can observe and we can assess and we can see and we can watch, and it would give us an idea, but we still can't speak with any kind of certainty. We, we still can't say with absolute because it's only God that knows that. It's only that, that heart that knows whether or not they've been awakened to the reality of who Jesus is. We don't know the heart and motive of man. And I think what scares me about the church in America, and this is my context. I'm the church in America. This is my context. This is what I see. And I see this struggle, not just here, but ever, but definitely here in our context in the South is this thought of easy believism. Easy believism, where I, where I say a little prayer, I get dunked, I go back to living the life that I've always lived like nothing ever happened, and I just love enough to say that that's not salvation. That, that's not, that, that little prayer that you said, that little dunking that you had, that, that's not salvation. But I believe, so do the demons. They believe. They're aware, and I would say their belief, like they believe, believe, you know what I'm saying? Like they know, they've experienced and they have seen things that, we, that, that, would, that would cause us to shudder. That would cause us to stop dead in our tracks and fall on our face. 
They see and they know that they're not saved. So what does this faith look like? What does this mean? And so God has called me to tell you the truth, and I love you enough to do that. That what I just described is not a picture of salvation. When you look in the scriptures and you look in the New Testament and you see uh, in the book of Romans and you see it's not there yet, how easy it would have been for her to make that kid think something that's not quite there yet. Uh, let, let, me, let me try to illustrate. I've got a six-year-old. And so I don't, I don't know about you as a parent, but, but me as a, as, a, as a parent, as an adult, whenever I find out, like, like she's pregnant with our kid. Do you know what that does in my heart? Freaks me out. So I begin to pray. Because I know what this world's like. I know how difficult. I know the struggle. I know the fight. I know the battle. So I begin to pray like crazy. And my prayer is just not for success, not for fame. Don't make them this great. My prayer is God rescue them. God save them and redeem them at a young age. That's the prayer that's just on constant echo. I was talking to a buddy last night. We're just talking about our kids. We're talking about, and that's what he says. He says, like, that's my earnest prayer right now, Scott. I've got a little one. And that's what I'm praying. I said, me, that's what I pray. Constantly, God save him. I want God to be sick of hearing me do it. Just, okay, let's get, get that kid. Holy Spirit, go get him. Let's do it. Like, I'm just, I'm just constantly praying for that. That's the success that I want in his little heart. Not to make millions. Not to have his name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Not to be in the record books of the NFL, NBA. No, no I want him to be recklessly in love with Jesus, to be sold out and be a ferocious one, man of God, and a ferocious disciple. That's the greatest desire I have in my heart for my kids. That's what I'm praying and begging the Lord for. So let me, let me just kind of tell you how that, that's working out in my life right now. I've got, I've got a nine-year-old who at the age of five begins to ask questions and begins to seek a little bit. And so we begin to have conversation. I just didn't quite feel like he was there yet. And, and it started when we had a baptism at the lake. He wanted to get in the water, baby, and go down. I said, all right, buddy, well, you know why? And he, and he wasn't, wasn't quite sure of why. He, he didn't quite understand the why. And so we began to have conversation. We began to talk. We began to, uh, to do those types of things. And we give it some time and allow it to just, to just kind of go. And then he goes to vacation Bible school in West Virginia with grandparents. And I get a call. They're coming back home. And his great-grandma says, hey, Brody got saved. I said, what? And this has been, it had been about probably a year of conversation and just walking with and just letting, I don't want to put more pressure on him than he needs. Let's just make sure this is God working. This is really the Holy Spirit doing that and awakening him to his great need for Jesus. So, so that begins to happen. That begins, so we have that conversation. As we have that conversation, he t- she tells me, like, yeah, I didn't, we didn't do it. VBS didn't do it. He just brought home and says, man, I want Jesus as my Savior. And he begins to pray. I said, that's awesome. And so we give it some time. We don't baptize him. Let's just make sure. Let's, let's really see if this is a work of God, if this is really happening, if this is. So that happens. And then about a year after that, we baptize him. After conversation and walking with and seeing. I mean, it's just discipleship process, right? I'm, I, wanna, I know the damage it does. I said, yeah, dude, five, four, you're four years old. Let's go. Come on right now, baby. Here's the pool. Let's do it. Yeah, you're good. Let's go. I know the damage that it that does. And so I wanted to, and I'm not playing God. I'm just, let's, let's. Because the thing is, if God saved him at four, he saved him at four. And me waiting for him to be baptized at seven does nothing to his salvation. I mean, he's God's period. And so what I've got going on right now in my life is I've got a six-year-old, y'all. And he is my loose cannon, my pistol. Like y'all that know him and been around, he is going to be the death of his dad. He's what keeps his dad praying long at night. 
but he's starting to ask those questions. Hey, Dad, tell me about God. Did you see that sunset? You know who did that? I said, who did that, Bennett? God. So, Dad, this heaven thing. I said, yeah, what about this heaven thing? Like, is it really that great? I said, well, let me tell you what, what I know to be true. This devil guy, yeah, what about him? And so we begin to have conversation. We begin to talk. But what it appears to me in my heart is that God's starting to coax, starting to woo, starting to draw, starting to do, do a work in the heart of my little boy. And man, me as a parent, I want to do everything I can to just lay kindling around that fire and let God just ignite it. Let, let, let God just blow that thing up and save and rescue and redeem him. And I want to do everything I can as a parent to, to walk through that and make sure he understands to the best of his ability what that means and what that looks like, knowing that it's a work of God in him, not a work of dad, that it's a work of God. And so as I was thinking about that, as I was thinking about like salvation and what it means in the first aspect of being a disciple is being born again and believing, uh, this thought just hit me, and I shared it this morning as we prayed before services. Maybe one of the reasons why the church is just getting worked over in the world right now is because we haven't got this part right. Maybe the reason why we're not doing a very good job at making disciples is because, one, we're not one ourselves because we're n- we've never been born again. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I remember years ago, there was this big debate, well, well can I be a believer, not a disciple? I would say no. That's a resounding, if you look at our definition, we believe, no, you cannot. Now, now you can be saved and be a pitiful disciple, be, be a hard-hearted one that's struggling as a disciple, but, but you, you cannot, you cannot be saved and not be a disciple because they don't go, they're one and the same thing. Because, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm just not going to follow him. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm just not going to obey him. Yeah, I love Jesus, and I want Jesus, and I want everything he has to offer, but I don't want him. That's, that's not salvation. And so maybe, just maybe the reason why we're getting worked over in the world today is because, because of that. And so for us, it starts with presenting the gospel. It's allowing God to awaken in the hearts this reality of their great need for him and their lostness for him, that he is the one that brings life. And when that heart believes in Jesus as the Son of God and in his sacrifice on the cross for our sin, that heart repents and walks in relationship with Jesus through faith, and they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that's only by a work of God, not a work of man. And that can only happen through God, which leads us to the second aspect of discipleship. The second aspect of discipleship is this. As he says, come follow me, he says, and I will make you. I will make you. It's just simply this, is, is that, that you're going to be changed. So when you come to life, you get a new heart, you get new desires, you get new longings, you get, you, you, get, you, get, you get the heart and mind and nature of Christ living in you through the Holy Spirit, whereby he's going to draw, he's going to convict, he's going to work, he's going to, he's going to press, and he's going to do some amazing things in you that's going to challenge the fleshly side of you. We're not going to like that, because hear me, the flesh is good, man, I'm t- sin is good. We're in church, we can be honest, right? It is unless you belong to Jesus. And it may seem good for just a minute, but man, when conviction comes, when the Holy Spirit steps in and reminds you of who you belong to and what you've been bought with, and he starts to work and draw, so it's going to be the Holy Spirit making and changing. So, I, so he says, I will make. So the second aspect is I will make. It. You'll be changed. And just, man, I just want to impress you for a moment with my big words up here, and I put it on the screen. I hope I spelled it right. But it's called progressive sanctification. 
This working of the Holy Spirit in your life is called progressive sanctification, where the Holy Spirit in us, he's changing us and shaping us and molding us, what, into the image of Christ. So our desires, our affections, our longings is changed to match that of God. And hear me, that is going to be a battle and a work for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, ridding you of you. Dying to self is what the Apostle Paul says. Taking your thoughts captive is what he teaches, what he tells us. That is going to be a work for the rest of your life. It's going to be a battle for the rest. Well, because we're still in this unredeemed flesh. Yeah, I've got a new heart and a new spirit, but I battle the flesh. My heart is willing, but my flesh is weak. That is us. But what I do know is this, is that I'm being changed and shaped and formed and molded. Because God doesn't leave me where he found me. God will never leave you where he found you. God will always pull you and draw you and shape you and mold you. I just think of Psalm 37, 4, where it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what I found out is this, is because sometimes we like take that little verse and we kind of make it like, man, I'm delighting myself in the Lord, or I'm loving the Lord, I'm desiring him, I'm delighting in him. Man, that desires that Lamborghini, though. God, I love you. Now give me the Lamborghini. What I've learned and what I found out is this, is that whenever you truly do that and you live that out, and you delight yourself in the Lord where he's enough, he, he is all sufficient, he is your satisfaction, he is your everything, what happens is your heart starts to change and become more like his. You care less about Lamborghini. You care less about the stuff. And what you care about is seeing the world changed and shaped and molded. What, what you care about is, is the gospel being presented. What you care about is disciples being made. What you care about is holiness being proclaimed. That's what happens. Because he lives in us and he does that work in us. And sanctification is us being changed. The old man, the scripture says, is being put to death, is dying. It's not us being made perfect, that we're made perfect positionally in Christ uh, in eternity with, with God, that we're completely, completely there and, and it'll happen one day, we'll be fully perfect, that's eternity. But, but it's, it's us being less like us and more like Christ. That's what happens in us when we're saved. The Holy Spirit begins to do a work. And all I can say is this, is, is that we had better be further down the road today than we were this time last year. If not, there's an issue. We had better be further down the road today than, than when we were saved back 10, 15, 20, however many years ago. And I'm not saying we're not going to battle. I'm not saying that we're going to fall. I'm not going to say that we're not going to struggle. And it's going to be a fight. But what I'm saying is this, man, is, is, that, is that sanctification, sanctification, God working in me, had better be pressing me to more Christ-likeness than Scott-likeness. And my heart and my desires and my longings have better match up more so with that of Jesus today than it did back before or back when I got saved. So it just brings me to a thought, why do things not grow? Why do things not progress? One, because they're not healthy. So think about that, man. How are you doing spiritually? Are you healthy Are you healthy spiritually? Another reason why things don't grow is because there's neglect. Because we don't put in the work to help them get to the place they need to be. Why? So that they can grow, so that they can flourish. Why do things not grow? Dead things don't ever grow. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of flowers that we have just killed, not purposefully. But we have planted and we have loved those things, kind of. And we'd give them water. And we'd put that stuff on them to just make them strong and just fancy flowers after they've died. I mean, I don't have the work of the Holy Spirit in me to be able to do that. Like, he's just not, I've not brought that thing back to life, those things back to life. 
And so maybe the reason why there's not growth, maybe the reason why there's not progression is because there's not salvation, there's not a new heart, there's not fertile ground to receive it and to take it and be able to grow. So, so how do we position ourselves for this? How, how do we, how do we, because I believe we have a work to do in this. I believe that, that God calls us to have a work in this. And so after conversion, this is not something that you can just do or try harder or wish for, but we have responsibility in this. We have the difficult work of pursuing, denying, putting to death, but never forgetting that we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us, to draw us, to, to push us, to propel us. And so the way that we do this, the way that we position ourselves as this is that we've got to spend time in the Word. We've got to. Absolutely positive, I have to. If you're not growing and progressing in your walk and love and desire and yearning for Jesus, my question always goes here first. Are you spending time with him? Because it's hard to love somebody you don't know. It's hard to love somebody you don't spend time with. It's hard to love somebody you're not around. It's hard to love somebody you don't talk to or hear from. It's very, very difficult. And so, church, my question is, have you positioned yourself that way where you're in the Word? And I'm not talking about Sunday. Well, yeah, man, Sunday, every Sunday morning, like, you open that thing, and I, crack, I see it on the screen, or I crack it open, or I, yeah, man. No, I'm talking about where you have a, a love to be in the Word yourself, that, that, that you're going to open it, that you have to have it. It's, it's food for your soul. It's, it's water for your thirsty, thirsty heart. Where you're in the Word of God. I don't know, I'm not saying you have to do like these major Bible studies, but where you, just, you just get yourself in there and you allow the, the Word of God to just shape you and mold you and take hold of your heart and to do a work in you whereby you get to know Jesus more because the more you get to know Him, the more you're going to love Him. I mean, I mean, that's how you begin to grow and change and be shaped. Time in the Word. Another way is exactly what this man over here yesterday at the men's group said. Prayer. Prayer. Another way that God shapes you and molds you into the image of His Son is, is through Prayer. Where you share your heart, you pour out your heart, you cry out to God, you, you long for him through conversation and, and connection and, and fellowship and relationship that way. Where you're talking to him and he talks to you in prayer. He talks to you? Yeah, he talks to you. I've never heard an audible voice. And I'm not saying that he can't speak in an audible voice, but what I am saying is this, is that, man, many times whenever I get quiet and, oh, man, y'all know me, I hate quiet. Like, that freaks me out. The, the loudness of the quiet is deafening to me. Like, I'm a go, 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 have to be, go, go, I, I, uh, I'm even medicated. <laughs> but I'll tell you what God will do whenever you are silent. He'll get your attention real, real quick. And he'll speak to your heart real, real intentional. And he will shape you and he will mold you. So yesterday for me, coming to men's group, and as I'm coming to men's group, I'm in the car and there's a song playing and it just, it just hits me in that moment. I'm like, oh. I just felt like God just spoke to my heart. Just convicted me of some things that maybe I've been struggling with. So it kind of just showed me some stuff about myself that wasn't nice. That I needed to work on. That I needed to let him to kind of just start to prune and cut away and do some stuff in me. And then I just felt the, the, the calming, just the calming presence of the Lord say, I've got you though. I've got you. And I'm like, what? You just keep pursuing me. Follow me. I'll take care of the rest. And, and, and y'all, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what it was, but in that moment, then I come here and I just hear the word of God proclaimed again over me and get to, to hear it and listen to it again. I'm like, ah, oh, reminded of his greatness and his goodness. And I'm like, okay, so does that really, does that make sense what he said compared to the word? Absolutely. If I'm his, he's always got me. If I'm his, he's always going to do a work in me. For, for his glory and my good, it may not be what I think or what I want in the moment, but he's going to do. He's going to do this process in me. And this process hurts sometimes. This process isn't clean sometimes. This process uh, is difficult. 
Because ridding myself of me, I mean, I mean, I like me. I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm I really you're here this morning. Maybe you do. But I like me. And to have to get rid of some of me is difficult and it hurts. But that's how we do it. Position ourselves through prayer. We position ourselves in other ways through accountability, through discipleship, through walking with other believers. Who's going to encourage us, challenge us, press us. Or we're going to let God work through them to just, just move and, and, and just talk and share and, and, and see and just iron sharpen iron type stuff. Which brings us to the third aspect here of discipleship. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. The third aspect is this. We become a fisher of men. We, we join mission with Jesus. We join mission with Jesus. So, so are you about what Jesus is about? Are you doing what Jesus did? Do you have a desire for people? Do, do you have a love and a care for people? Just like we see in this scripture here, as, as well as throughout all of the gospels when it pertains to Jesus. Look at what Je- Jesus goes after people, y'all. Jesus, when after he engaged in conversation, in unpopular conversation, in difficult conversation, in uplifting, Jesus didn't shy away from it. He just told the truth. He, why? Because he was on mission. He knew, he knew what he was here to do. Do you know what you're here to do? And I, and I don't even care if you're here at New Life, but do you know as a believer, if you're watching online, wherever, do you know what you're here to do? Do you know why God created you? He created you for this. To bring him glory and make disciples. Th- that's it. We make it far too difficult. Luke 9, 10 says this. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus comes on rescue mission. That's why he's here. Jesus engages people for the, person, for the purpose of offering rescue from sin. Offering redemption for their soul. And hear me, that's the mission that he gives every believer. Ministers of reconciliation is what it calls us in the scriptures. That we're to plead with this lost world, that we're to beg, that we're to live out, that we're to show. So, so hear me, you have purpose. Every single one of you in this room today as a believer, as a disciple, as a follower, as a born-again man or woman, you have a purpose to go after people, to engage in conversation, to be fisher of men and women, to, to go after. So get the dang pole and let's start fishing I mean, you bait that hook, and what we bait that hook with is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way that we dangle it in front of people is by presenting truth to them of who Jesus is and how much he loves them and wants to rescue them from what? From themselves, from sin, from hell. That's what we do. We plead with. We do whatever we have to do to share and, and to walk out and to care for and to do that. And we'll go deeper on how in the next few weeks. But I guess my question is this. How did you do this week in that? In joining in mission with Jesus? And I don't care how old or how young you are or where you're at in life. If you take the name of Christ and you've been born again and you say that you're a believer, that you're saved, then you've been called to make disciples. You've been called to join in on the mission that Jesus has set forth. So let's do this. Let's just, let's just ask it like this. Who did you engage this week in gospel conversation with the hope and desire that they would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior? Who did you intentionally meet with to talk about the scriptures? Who did you serve this week with no desire to get anything back in return? 
with no hidden agenda or motives or what can I gain from this? Who did you serve this week? Other than Jesus, who did you confess your sin to this week? Who, who did you tell about the wickedness that just kind of maybe crept in in a moment in your heart? Because, I mean, we can know all the scripture in the world, but if we're not willing to follow out and live out that scripture, you're not as far along in process as you think. You hear me? You can attend every week and you can know all the Bible front to back. Did not the religious folk have that problem in Jesus' day? And did he not call them on that? You brood of vipers? You whitewashed tombs? Uh, to know the scriptures and not obey the scriptures is to not know the scriptures. You hear what I'm saying? So to know them or to get a check mark next to your name or the star beside your name, but to have not the heart to follow while you do that, that's religion. And that is worthless. That, that lands you in a place separated from God. So who, who did you confess sin to this week? Who did you pray with this week? Who did you pray for this week? Who did you check in on this week? If not, then hear me, you weren't on mission with Jesus. You weren't being the disciple that Christ has called you to be. Because we believe to be a disciple, we're on mission. As we're going, and y'all, that's easy. As we're going, like, I'm not, I'm, you don't have to go, like, seek out. Like, you don't have to be weird about it. Like, just waiting in the parking lot at Walmart. as a guy's coming, hey, man, what you doing? What you got? Hey, come, walk with me to my car. Come on. Hey, I got a Bible back here I want to show you. Like, like, you, don't, like you don't have to do weird stuff like that. I mean, I got something in my pocket for you. And then hand him a track. Like, no. No. I mean, I'm just, I mean, as you were going, like just in your circle of influence, where did you work this week? Where did you have lunch this week? Where, where, do, you, where do you often uh, uh, go to to eat or to spend time? Man, my joints, those people know me. That, that little restaurant that we hit up from time to time. They, uh, hey, Scott, they come to Scott, hey, and, they, and we talk, and we, how's the kid? I mean, they, they know my kid, they, they know me. I mean, that's what Jesus is talking We had a basketball game Saturday. A little league basketball. Those, that's what he's talking about as we are going in our circles of influence. Uh, you're going to go to work tomorrow, hopefully, if we don't get another big snow. School's coming. I mean, that is your mission field. So if you haven't, why? I mean, I just beg of you, don't waste another week. Don't waste another day. And if you're a parent in this room, and if you're a grandparent in this room, that, that's, that should be constantly on your mind. Man, I don't know about you, but man, God just sets up high fastballs right there. You know what I'm saying? All, there is so many teachable moments, so many conversational opportunities, so many intentional things that I can be doing with my kids. It's just, oh. But that's like yesterday. We had, we had men's group here yesterday morning at 8 o'clock, and there were about 10 of us, and we gathered. But there was a dad who, who had his kid in from college, and you know what he does? He wakes his tail up. He says, you can come with me. But dad, I'm tired. You can be tired at men's group. I'm at least want to get you some breakfast. And so he wakes his kid up and he brings him. I was up to one text. Yeah, well, if you was up to one talking to them, you can come talk about Jesus for, at eight. Seven hours is a long time, son. Let's do it. I mean, I love that heart, right? I mean, I love that. I love it. Yeah, he's tired. Let's just, no, there's intentionality there. And what did he do? He wanted to bring his son to a place where there's going to be Jesus. And he wanted to do something with his kid. There's intentionality. I love that. There's intentionality in that. So, so when we talk about 
making a disciple. When we talk about it, that's what we're talking about. And there are steps and there are things that we're called to do that will help aid in that happening. And I've given you a few examples, but I'm going to hit hard. I'm going to hit hard, hard next week. As in this, in this scripture, Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is going to explain a little bit more. And then we're going to look in some other places next week about, about how we really do that. And it's not as hard as what we make it out to be. I promise you it's not. The, the, the issue is not the process. The issue is not the ability. The issue is the heart of our willingness. That's the issue. And so my hope and my prayers this week is that God just, just gets all over us and he just convicts us and he draws us and he, and, 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 he, and he does a work in us to position us and help us get into that place where we'll hear and we'll actually do what he says. That, that I'll empty myself of me and I will follow out and live out. So as the band comes back up, this is how he finishes Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore make disciples of all nations. So what Jesus says, we don't just do it in our hometown. We don't just do it in our community. We don't just do it in our works. We don't just do it, we don't just do it in our state. But we, we, do, we make this nationwide. All people everywhere. Like, have you thought about that? You are sitting in this room. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if even if you gather in this place, the reason why we're able to do this is because when Jesus gave this command back to his disciples, back when the church was birthed, we are here as a result of them living this out and obeying this. I mean, think about that for a moment. We sat here as a result of what happened 2,000 years ago of a group of men being so serious and dialed into what God said that they, that they recklessly leave their life and everything to follow after and do. And we sit here this morning as a result of that. We gather in this place this morning because of their obedience. So what Jesus is talking about here, yeah, we need to hit our workplace, we need to hit our community, we need to hit our schools, we need to hit our neighbors, we need to hit our family, we need to, we need to hit the upstate, we need to hit the low state, we need to hit all the states. But we need to hit the nations, y'all. We need to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. So my question is to close. Are you a disciple? Are you, I mean, are you a disciple? Have you been born again? It's a yes or no. There's, there's no middle ground. Well, kind of maybe I think back when. You don't have to think about it. You know if you are or not. And I'm not here to try to coax or convince. Or, or I don't have that kind of power. But all I know is this. Is if there's stirring there when I ask that question or some angst or anxiousness, then maybe you're not. Because I know my experience. That's when the Holy Spirit worked and said, hey, he just whispered my name, Scott. Come on, man, you know. You believe today find rescue in me are you his disciples second question I ask you is how did the Lord shape and mold you this week how are you more like Jesus this week than you were last how are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago how are you more like Jesus today than you were when you were saved and if you're not my question is why are you positioning yourself in a place where that can happen are you putting yourself in a place where God can work and do in your heart and in your life. And the last question I ask you is this, who are you or will you go after? Who are you or will you go after? To share the gospel with or to make a disciple? And preferably both. So, so as I was thinking, as I was kind of praying, as I was looking at this, okay, God, God how, how, can, how can you ever keep this before us and remind us? And so what I've done is this, is I've gotten some post-it notes right here. And I want you to begin to pray. Maybe even right now in this moment, you know, without a shout out who you need to go after, who you need to engage in conversation about the gospel, or just say, hey, would you be willing to journey with me for a year? 
I just want to walk with you. I just want, I just want to get to know you better. I just want to share, share truth with you. I just, let's, let's do life together. And let's see what Jesus does in us and through it. And let's enter into a discipleship relationship. And so what I've done is this, is I've laid these out. They're out in the lobby on the tables. They're in, on the tables back here in the back. And what I want to challenge you to do is this, to keep this ever before us, is that you would just put initials of somebody that maybe God presses on your heart. And then we've got that big old sign on the side over there that says, make disciples who make a difference. I just want you to post that sucker on there. And then what happens is whenever God starts to work and he opens that door and he gives you the boldness or the courage or whatever it is to ask or to share or to do, I want you to take that down and we're going to put it at the cross. I want it to ever be before us because I want us as a church to be praying about it. I want us as a church to have it before us to remember the call to go and be on mission with Christ and to do what Jesus has commissioned his disciples. Yeah, those 12 men that day, but also the church today. And to have it before, this is accountability. This is uh, remembering and being reminded of. So as you leave, would you do that? Would you think about maybe next week? I mean, in the next few weeks, just, just I, want, I want that sign filled up with people's initials. Uh, of who you, if, if you're, and hear me, if you're a parent in this room, that's a no-brainer right there, one. But hear me, that, that, that doesn't just count. That's not all like just kind of, oh yeah, well, I, I've got my kids. And I'm, that's it. You need to show your kids what it means to make disciples and be a disciple. You, you need to do that. And that's why I drag my kids to stuff. That's why I bring them up because I want them to see dad. Like, like this morning as, as we gather here, these, these guys right here, they came in and they prayed for me. And Bennett was there and I'm like, hey, hey buddy, you want to stay and pray with us? Yeah, okay. I mean, he was really worried about a coloring sheet in that moment. He's like, yeah, okay. And I don't care what his motive was, but what he saw is he saw this man hug me up and he saw this man just pour out his heart and beg God to work and to do. And and y'all, something so cool happened as we're standing there. He's standing at the desk over there doing his thing, kind of watching. And I kind of watch him and and look at him. And and as all of a sudden he sees this guy hug me up and I just get lost in that. What is it? He comes over and he grabs dad's leg and he hugs it. And I just put my little hand on him and I just say, yes. And I just, yes, God, get it. God's already working and doing I want them to see that kind of stuff. That's not weird. That's good. That's the family being the family. That's the church being the church. So yes, I want my kids, but I'm not stopping at my kids. I'm not stopping at my family. But I'm called to make disciples. And so there's people that I've engaged over the last couple weeks. And hey, let, let's journey together. Let's do this. I've got two men right now that said, hey, every week, get ready. We're going to do this. You're going to get a lot of Scott over the next year. But what's going to come with Scott is going to be Jesus. And I don't have it all figured out. I don't know it all, but we're going to do everything we can to position ourselves in a place where God can raise us up, shape us, and mold us all the more to the image of Jesus. So so I beg of you, man, begin to pray, begin to seek, begin to ask God what he would do in you and through you. That's how we define disciple here at New Life. The next couple weeks, we're going to look at how we go out and make these because Jesus calls us to make, Jesus made them, and he's called us to make them. So he'll equip us and give us what we need to do that. And he's given us an outline on how to. Join me as we pray. Father, we love you, Jesus. We need you. Do a work in this place, I beg. God, I beg. Give us names. Give us, give us ideas. Give us thoughts. God, just do a work in us, please. Father, stir hearts. If there be one here this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that maybe struggles with that, God, would today be the day of salvation? Would today be the day that you settle that in their heart? God, that you rescue and redeem and save. God, do a work. God, I pray. God, shape us, mold us, convict us of sin. God, may we live a life of repentance and may we be on mission and see and know right now who it is that you would lead us into journeying with. Shall we pray? Amen.